I want to go right to the passage this morning. If you could stay standing with me as we honor God's word in his house, we're giving reverence to who he is by reading his word. We're going to jump to Isaiah chapter 9 and just look at two verses. Verses 6 through 7 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government, everybody say government, will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Remember last week, God was peace. Here is God, peace again, the prince of it. Of the increase his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward and forever. The zeal, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Amen. On their way to your seats, say he is wonderful to your neighbor. As you take your seats this morning, he is wonderful. so much quieter in this room because the acoustics just swallow up all the <laughs> all the echo this room's like a direct opposite of where we were it was super echoey in the school before we get rolling this morning I want to mention the importance of inviting people we're an evangelistic church and we believe the most powerful marketing tool is to grow the church inward outward and you guys already invite people so we're so thankful but keep on planting seed because that person may take 50 seeds before one roots you know what i'm saying and when they come we think if they come three times michael you know this if they come three times in a row it's the it's the difference between a visit and getting to know the family and being coming part of the culture three visits in a row break that ice make them see that what we're doing is genuine real raw to the word of god we're not holding any punches, but we're doing it in love with the peace of God on our hearts. Amen. If y'all want to check in online, anybody that does that, we give thanks for anybody who can check in that way on Facebook. But this is week two of the series we're calling Gifts to Glory. And as we're working through it, we're revealing what Gifts to Glory is. Last week, we talked about the plan God's plan for redemption, that before Jesus ever came into the world, there was a plan for him to come, and that when he actually came, that was just the result of something God had planned from the beginning, okay? So, so before sin was ever abound in the world, there was a plan, and same for your plan that God has in your life. Before you ever tripped in sin, God still had a plan, so sin doesn't excuse the plan. Sin just makes a detour for a moment but the plan is still there if you're willing to get back on the path and follow it so we knew there had to be a plan there is a plan and how do we recognize it and this week we're going to go a little further that now we know what it is we know how to get on the path how do we follow it my subject today is pure pathways touch your neighbor tell them pure pathways last week was big intentions this week is pure pathways as we learn to see that our gifts are used to glorify God. It's His glory, our gifts. Our gifts, His glory. Last week we addressed how critical that was, the plan for God to deliver His promise to mankind. As we prepare for walking in God's plan for our life, it's important to not only recognize the value in preparation, but to continually examine the vehicle we are allowing God to operate in in our hearts. It's a heart thing. 
if you've got a condition here, the whole body will reflect the heart condition. A guy, a, a very respected pastor that I follow online and have watched for a long time, he just had a massive heart attack. And what I didn't know is that when his heart failed, his whole body started failing. It's a heart thing. And until they could get his heart to recover, his organs wouldn't recover. I mean, everything was failing. And he fully recovered, amen? That's Pastor Glenn Bertrand from, um, where is it, California. And, and he fully recovered. But when the heart had a problem, everything had a problem. So if you don't get your heart right, your body won't follow. Does that make sense? It has to take root. So my question to you is, what spiritual vehicle are you driving to church in today? God chose a baby, the purest form, it was pure, of humanity, and the best we could hope for to be like. When we're thinking, how do we be Christ-like, just think of a baby. When it comes to faithfulness, a child, when it comes to pureness, a baby, there is no better example. And that's why God came in the form of a baby, because it was pure. There was no baggage to take the baby off course. It's the perfect example that we should follow for faithfulness, holiness, and pureness. And this is the vehicle God desires us to operate in, a pure one. Our body is called a temple to the living God. So our body, our body is like a temple. We can, we can do things. We can house our life and do certain things. And so my question is, what spiritual vehicle are you driving to church today? If God texted you and said he had a new ride for you, to replace what you've been driving, would you gladly accept the new ride but insist on keeping that old hoopty? Come on, somebody. Who knows what a hoopty is? What's a hoopty? Can you say that in church? I don't know. I didn't, I didn't look it up to find out. Where do I find that? Google? Because that's always truthful. I'll take the new ride, God, but I don't want to give up the one I have. You feeling what I'm saying? You feel what I'm saying? I want to keep this part, but I want this part too. God says, no, you have to replace it, not keep them both. It's, it's full submission, not half submission. In the UFC, if the submission isn't fully locked in, there's no tap, you know. It has to be a full submission for victory. If you want victory in Christ, you have to completely submit to him according to his word, not according to our cultural compromise of what that is. Just stick with the word, pray and seek, and he'll show you. I don't know. I'd probably get rid of the hoopty. It depends what it was, but remember those old, they called them hippie vans with the wheel on the front? When I was in school, that's what I thought of a hoopty. I hope you all don't have the old 1980-something station wagon. To me, that was a hoopty. You know, with the exhaust seat in the back where you could carbon monoxide yourself to death? That's what I call a hoopty. So if Jesus showed up with a nice new Audi R8 and said, but you got to ditch the minivan, I'd say, okay, Lord, I trust you. I trust you. And I'm not going to sell this like the money changers. I'm going to keep this new ride for me because I see victory when it came from Jesus. Anybody ever did valet? Valet driving? That was... That was a really good paying job back in the day before you had like a college degree if you're out of high school. And so me and my buddy, we were going to get jobs doing valet. And <clears throat> excuse me how I cleaned my throat on the mic in front of everybody. I was 17. We became valet drivers at Harris Casino. 
But if you, when you think of valet, what do you think of, Nate? You think of driving Lamborghinis, fun times, pulling up, the drop top, whatever, vanilla ice music playing. I don't know what I'm saying. But the reality is, Don, is valet positions have seniority. And what we got was all the people with the free passes into the casino. It didn't mean they had a nice car. They were, there were some nasty cars. I mean, who knew that people drove like this? And, and what we had to do is if you wanted to get paid past your $2.13 or whatever, you had to fight the next guy by sprinting to the booth. And whoever got the next car got the next tip. And so then it was a battle of who's going to get the next tip. And so one minute you'd get a nice, maybe like a nice Honda Odyssey. You know how I love those. And then, and then the next time some, some guy might get like a 1975 full-size van with sunflower seed shells covering the entire floor. And when you get in there, it smells like old chili cheese Fritos and there's shells on your feet. And it's a good thing you got shoes on or those would just poke your feet and that, that wouldn't be good. And that's, that was valet. You know, that's an old hoopty. And that was my experience. And I quit before I ever got to the nice ride. I quit the journey before I ever got to the nice ride because I thought this was it. This is all God's going to do in my life when the storm comes. This is all I can, this is all he's going to do for me. I was, I was, I was faithful. I came to church and then this happened to me. This is, this is it. And God says, no, my car doesn't look like what you think. My new body for you doesn't look like what you think. It's for eternity. And whether things go as planned on earth, it doesn't shake what I have set up for eternity for you. Because my ride, it never, it never gets old. My muscles that I'm going to give you never hurt. My new, my new body in, in your new life in me will never fade. You'll never have knee pain when you walk around on concrete trying to make an example at church. And people think it's funny, but then your knees hurt the next day because it's concrete. And you shouldn't have done it to begin with, Nate. It's not that kind of body. It's a new body. So what spiritual vehicle are you driving to church? When you think of the vehicle, think of the body. What are you rolling in? What are you rolling to church in here? In order to figure that out and to know what we got to do about it, we have to establish something first. In order to make progress in spiritual understanding, we have to establish a clean slate like a baby. It takes a, a decision. Do I want to start fresh or do I want to stay the same? Stay the same, same result. Do something different, different result. And it's a conscious decision to say, here is God's word and here's what I need to do. Am I willing to actually do it fresh? In order to make progress, I need a clean slate. Are we willing to take part with old things to find new meaning, willing to part with, excuse me. You gotta be willing to let go of the old hoopty, let go of the old body, let go of the old mindset, let go of the old friends sometimes. I'm sorry, it depends. That's a touchy subject. Well, if I come to church, will I have to get rid of all my friends? Well, it depends. If they're sucking you in to do things that take you from the will of God, what do you think? If you're sucking them in to show them new light in Christ, then that's a good thing. There's a line to how you witness. And you can't go in the fire and stay in the fire without getting burned sometime unless you're really strong. And we're all human. So you find that line. You want to draw people into Christ without completely submerging yourself back in their territory, which will be tempting to you because that's where you came from. You with me? you got to be willing to make a clean slate for yourself and pray that God will touch them and they will follow because if they love you enough... They will. They will if they love you enough. 
and it may take years. And I know, I know lots of situations where that's just not as easy as it sounds, Pastor, but it's the word of God, and we have to be willing to be an example and not compromise. So we have to establish that our bodies are to be a temple for God to live in. And God can take a messy situation. This is what's so good. He can take a messy situation and pull the diamond right out of the leukemia. He can pull a diamond right out of the disease and say, I got you. I got a diamond in this. You thought it was a mess, but I made it nice and pretty because I know what I'm doing, says the Lord. I will pull a diamond out of your mess. You're so worried about paying the bills, but I know the hairs on your head, and I will pull a diamond out of this mess if you stick with me. Don't feel abandoned. He never left you. When he was on the cross, he was thinking of you. When he was breathing his last breath, he was thinking of you personally. This is not a show and tell good story, people. This is a man who hung on a cross and died for you. I'm just saying. When I personalize what Jesus did for PJ, or or my name is Jeff, too. That's okay. When I personalize what he did for Jeff, that's when it becomes real to me. That's when it became real to me. When you realize that Jesus dying for my sins is not a lovely cliche, it's a thing that a man bled for you. He suffered for you. He pleaded for you. He begged for you. He fought for you. That's powerful. That will change your view of Christianity. But it's a choice. We get into holiday chaos. It's hard to find a parking space. It's kind of how it feels with God sometimes. It's hard to find God in the chaos. I mean, sometimes I've been going in the bathroom, Jen, to get my head together because I can't find God always in chaos. But he's there. It's just a matter of can I find him. So what I have to do is I have to focus to find because he's always there. But with the chaos, you have to search for him and say, God, where are you? Give me focus, God. This is temporary. It's just a season. As soon as those subs quit kicking, I'll be able to get my thoughts back together. I actually like them. I'm the one who turns them up. So, so it's just a, it's a joke, you know. But, but what I'm saying is you, you think in the, in the season of chaos that God doesn't hear you, doesn't see the diamond in the rough, doesn't have a new plan for you, and he does. It never strays despite your situation. It never strays. What spiritual vehicle are we driving to church today? Some of y'all are like, well, I rode a bike. All right, then. What spiritual vehicle are you riding to church today? Establishing a pure pathway doesn't require perfection. It requires housekeeping. Housekeeping. See, we're, I don't know if people get this. That's why I repeat a lot of stuff. I repeat it hoping eventually somebody goes, I get it now. We're born into sin. So we're, we're born into sin, and we don't believe babies are sinners, but the man, the man, the flesh is born into the curse of sin. So we can never be like God. We need something to divide the sin from us because the Bible says the wages of sin is death, and when Eve ate the fruit and sin was created, there had to be death. They covered him with coats of skin, which means there was bloodshed. The Bible says blood makes atonement for sin. The only remedy for death is blood. That's why they sacrificed the lamb. So Jesus came and he, he covered our sin with coats of skin, the lamb, when he shed that blood. And so it doesn't require perfection. It requires cleaning up the mess. 
housekeeping. Impureness is a separator between God and man, which is why Jesus was not born of Joseph. He was born of the Spirit, because the seed of sin traveled through the Father, all the way back to the garden. So if Jesus had the seed of sin in him, he would be a sinful man just like us. But Jesus was sinless because he was born of the Spirit, conceived by a virgin Mary. Wasn't conceived by a normal dad. It had to be because he had to be pure. He had to come into this world sinless to make atonement. Y'all with me? This is kind of deep. This is like theology stuff. He had to make atonement for man's sin. And a, 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 a lamb that was not perfect could not make atonement in the Old Testament. So Jesus had to come into this world a blemish-free lamb. That's why he had to be born of the Spirit and not the seed of David because of sin. So that's just the way God designed it. But it's so cool because he makes a perfect example, example there of why pureness matters. It doesn't mean we have to be perfect, but sometimes we got to clean out the garage. Sometimes we got to shake it off, shake it off, shake it off. What's up? It's a Taylor Swift. Shake, shake, shake it off. I think I did a sermon about like a year and a half ago, and, and I overdubbed the song. Now it's coming back to me. I know, it's so sad. <laughs> but your willingness to let go of the mess will help discover the necessity of his ways. You can't keep the mess and see God for who he really wants to be in your life. He wants to create a clean slate. He wants to create a clean slate. We go on trips sometimes, and um, we stay in some nice hotels, some average hotels, some not good hotels. We just stay with whatever. Our credit card, we get points, so we use whatever's free. We're tight with that. And what really matters is that the coffee when you get in the room, here's what I check out. Here's what I check out. I, I, rip the, I rip the bedspread off the bed. I don't want to touch that thing. I go to the coffee thing. I say, what kind of coffee are they going to give me for free so I don't have to walk in the lobby and pay $18 for a cup of Folgers? And so I make sure they have the disposables, and I get so excited about it. It's like, it's like the, little, the little sausage cheese cracker thing Michelle just got me. I just love those little dainty gifts like that, and it's like so exciting. It's a little coffee things. I don't even drink half of them. But just to know they're there, it makes me feel special. Unless it's that Ronico brand. <laughs> just kidding. But when we go a couple days of being in the hotel and housekeeping doesn't come by, how many like when the housekeeper comes by the hotel room? I mean, come on, somebody. Do you like clean sheets? Do you like fresh replaced coffee? Or do you like the old ones sitting there in the trash can? still used from yesterday. Do you want to reuse the coffee from yesterday? Do you want to reuse the sheets? Oh, God, I won't go there. Do you want to reuse the comforter? No, never use the comforter. Let's take that out of the conversation. Do you want to reuse the carpet? Well, you don't have an option. you got to walk on that thing. That's why I wear flip-flops everywhere I go. You don't want to use the old dirty thing. You want something clean. It's got to be clean. So, we want it clean in that situation, but we want it, well, you know. That's how God wants, God wants housekeeping in our hearts. He wants the same thing for us. He doesn't like when you skip and you put the pass on the door when he comes by, like the, like the, like the death angel that came by and slewed all the, he doesn't want that. He doesn't want, he doesn't want to do that. He, want, he wants you to take the thing off the door and says, let me disturb you. Let me, hello, knock and the door shall be open. Open the door. Get the do not disturb off. 
said, help me, feed me. I need you, Lord. And then I get to the door and the things on the thing, it says, don't disturb. Well, when should I come back? I got a schedule. I'm God. God says, when it's my time, it's now. And I need you to be a clean shape, slate, clean. Because that's what my will is built upon. It's not about perfection. Don't walk out here going, he said, I have to be perfect. I just can't do that. No, I didn't say that. I said it's about housekeeping the closet, change the sheets, get the fresh coffee, give God a chance, clean up the slate for God's sake, you know. Quit saying God won't fix it. He's knocking, he's banging on the, that's so irritating too when the thing's actually on the door and they still knock. Housekeeping. Oh, hello, pastor mode. Hello, thank you. God bless you. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. I make him a shell answer the door. <laughs> we have to allow it. We have to allow God to clean our slate so we have something fresh, pure to build off of. My kids' rooms, they're a straight hot mess. And for the longest time, I tried to figure out what is this problem? Why won't this four-year-old keep her room straight? She takes all the dolls off the shelves and just throws them everywhere. I'm like, what's wrong with you? Act your age. And she just won't. And then one day, well, and then she's four. I got four of these things. And then, and then there's a four-year-old, and then there's Taz, he's seven, and he just destroys everything. He needs every piece of paper, Jen, that ever came in from the mailbox in his bed. What is that about, Taz? It's called trash, bro. Get the trash out your bed. You want mice? You want, you want lice? You want itchy body? You want something? Clean yourself, Taz. And so then we got Caleb, and he's actually the pretty neat one. I can't really dog him too much. He's, he's calculated, and he's kind of OCD with cleanliness, like his dad. And so um, we'll skip him. And then, then we got Chloe, who's the oldest, and she's just like, well, I'll do it. And then it piles up, I'll get to that later. Oh, I forgot, you know, and she forgot. And all of a sudden, there's a, her room's a wreck. And so for the longest time, I thought they just weren't clean children. But what I realized is they had access to too much. It wasn't their ability to stay clean. It's that we gave them too many things to put in their room. How can you clean a mess when there's no room to move? You, you, are you guys getting this? How can you start fresh when you can't even move to set up a clean slate? How do you clean it? Well, if you want to know, parents that just had a first baby, you make piles. You make piles. Now I got dolls here. I got Legos here. I got paper trash here. I got all these things. I'm going to separate them out, and then I start bringing the trash bags in. Oh, that's the best part. And then mom comes back when I'm not looking and says, here, you keep these, buddy. You keep these. You keep these. All of a sudden, the, little, the trash bag shrinks. But God needs room to operate. That's why a clean slate matters. If you're jammed with stuff, he needs to break through that mess, clean off the slate, so he can start rooting new flowers in your garden. You can't be surrounded by thorns and grow. You need pure soil. You need fresh soil, and you have to allow it. But God's so good. Touch your neighbor, tell him he's good. He knows what he's doing. He will allow a mess in order for you to see a need for him. If you don't recognize there's a mess to clean up, why would you need God? got it covered God do not disturb <laughs> he'll take that mess and show you how to clean it up and pureness doesn't always live in the cleanest 
places. You know, the baby was in the manger. It wasn't like probably the most clean place. There was animals and when there's animals, there's smells. And when there's smells, there's, you know, other stuff. But God will work right through the mess and clean you up and clean right through your heart. And he will clean up the mess in your life and give you something new. Aren't you tired of waiting on something new? And God says, you can have it now. You can have it now. Will I let my ways get in the way of God developing something new in me? The the verse said the government would be upon his shoulders. Where'd it go? go? Will be upon his shoulder, verse 6. And of increase his government and peace, there will be no end. So the government of the time was like his mess. They were trying to stop him. Okay? They didn't like him. They wanted him to be there. You know, stay with me. Stay with me. God says, I got to get rid of you. I don't want you in my life because I am the everlasting life. I am everlasting. I am wonderful. Counselor, Prince of Peace. I don't need you in my life. So he had to shake up the government and get them turned on their heads to shake up the soil. And they killed him for it later. But that was God's will. He did that for you. He did that for all of us. That little baby gave us a way to find a pure pathway to the will of God in our life. God will use our resistance to reveal his significance. It's so funny, like, I can't tell you how many times I got I to gotta figure it out, and I'm confident, and then th- someone throws a stick in my way. And then I, then, I, then I go to my knees and realize, oh, yeah, I still need you, God. I need you, Jesus. I'm sorry, God, that I keep forgetting how much I really need you, how much meat is really in your word, that I could take a line of your word and live on that for a week. There's so much meat in your word, and I'm chewing it up like it's popcorn, and it's meat to sustain me is deeper than what we think. My words are spirit and they are life. And when you resist God, that's when he's going to get your attention. Eventually, you'll be up against a corner and that's when God says, I never left. I'm still here. He doesn't create bad situations, David, but he draws good from them. We are born in this world of sin. We're born in this world of disease. These awful things happen, and I hate it. God will draw good from it. God will draw good from it. He will use resistance to bring revelation. And that's when you're going to see the increase. Somebody say increase. Okay. I've established it needs to be pure. I'm allowing God to change my course. And now he says, I will give you the increase. It says the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. When you realize that God is giving you something that you can't get on Amazon, 
especially on Prime. It's so much better than that. It's for eternity. You will have a zeal for the Lord that you didn't know you had. Look at me. I mean, look how excited I get. You think I'm crazy? No, I have a zeal for God because I recognize what he did. And so when you recognize that, that will make you want to shout in a way you've never shouted. That will make you want to praise in a way you've never praised before. You get to where you quit worrying about what the people think. I don't care what they think on social media because I'd rather have Jesus than any of it. I don't care anymore. I used to. How does it look? Make sure the picture's right. But now I don't care because you get to a point where the zeal of the Lord is so much more favorable in your sight that that's what matters to you. And when you establish that zeal, that's what people see in a church. That will, that's what people see outside the church. They say, say something is different about this place. It's because the Spirit of God is flowing through this house and something is different. And I want to be a part. I want that zeal in my life. I want to feel that fervent excitement in my life because my life's in hell all the time. And I want to be in heaven with Jesus. I want a clean slate. I want to see something new in my life. And they got what I want. And the good news is, church, you you can have it too. They can have it too. Come on, give them a moment of praise if you believe what I'm saying. He will increase. He will bless you. He will multiply your wallet. He will multiply your job. He will multiply the loved ones in your life. He will multiply, but you got to let go of the hoop day. The caffeine's kicking in. It's not caffeine, it's the Spirit of God. I just make jokes, okay? But the Spirit moves. People get on fire from God. It's so weird. Did you see that church in there? Star Wars is coming out, guys. Woohoo! What about Jesus is here to redeem your lost soul? When they get that, they'll start coming in. And they have good subwoofers. So those people, they, they don't like Star Wars, but they like Jesus. So maybe I'll give Jesus a try because they got cool music. You know, I'll give them a try because something's different. Look at the zeal they have. come to church and you're just numb. That's not the way it's meant to be. It's meant to be a burning fire in your soul. A burning fire creates a burning desire and you want to let it out, baby. What's been given to you, you want to let it out. When the Spirit dwelleth in you, it comes pouring out in everything. In and out of church. Someone on the street. Someone in the, in the crack house. Someone in jail. Someone at the job. You just want to tell them, man, there's something God wants to do for you because I know because he did it for me. He did it for me. He will increase it in me and he will increase it in you. And zeal, zeal is powerful. It establishes by example because they see it. When they see it's different, they see something is different, and I want to be a part of that. When they don't feel nothing, because you don't feel nothing, they're not going to feel nothing. When the worship's just like, uh, 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 then they're going to be like, uh, uh, uh. when the worship's on fire for God to give his word to the people, the people are going to start shouting too and praise the same way. That's why we pray for the worship to anoint people, that they feel what God is giving, and then the worship receives back what the people are receiving, and it's this flow of the Spirit of God. And that's how God does it. That's how God increases his house. Our zeal establishes his reveal. A willing heart who allows God to establish at the base of their garden will see real life change. What spiritual vehicle are you driving to church today? 
God is establishing his eternal plan through this house right now. The seeds are being planted. The lives touched by the simple word you may give your coworker, your friend, they could be changed forever from one seed that you thought wouldn't even root. God gives the increase. God gives the increase. He shall bring justice to those in need for he is a peacemaker and we are the sons and daughters of God and we are the peacemakers because we are made in his image and he is the prince of peace. If y'all could stand with me this morning. He is the judge. We are the sheep. The sheep go out in the world and find other sheep that don't know him. 